points in the first round, nine points in the Sweet 16. So this should be a lot of fun on this side. So I'll just go ahead before we get actually into the starting lineups. I think we're about five minutes away from tip or so that they say. So the Miami Hurricanes, the number five seed in this tournament, they're 29-7, and seven, head coached by Jim Laranega. They have ones over Drake, number four Indiana, number one Houston, and number two Texas. Doesn't really get much more impressive on that side as far as their resume. So they're going to be led by point guard Nigel Pack, number 24. He's a six-footer. 14 points per game. Shooting guard should be Isaiah Wong. 16 points per game on that side. Wolga Poplar will be the small forward, number 55. He's got 9 points per game. Or Jordan Miller, the power forward. He's about 15 and 6. He's a 6-7 that's going to play big. And then uh, Norchad Omir on the other end for Miami Hurricanes. He's a double-double threat at 13 and 10, number 15 for him to get a watch out on that side. And for the Yukon Huskies, Again, it's been blowout city on that side, as we mentioned, 29-8 and eight on the year. And as Alex said, head coached by Dan Hurley. They have wins over Iona, St. Mary's, Arkansas, and Gonzaga. All of them been about beatdowns of 15 or more. It'll be Tristan Newton in the backcourt, 10 points per, about 4.5 assists and rebounds. Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson Jr., about 7, 6.5 and 5. Alex Caravan, about 10 points, 4.5 rebounds. And Adama Sinogo at 17 and 7 so this should be pretty interesting both of these teams can put the ball in the hole but what I do notice for Miami as far as UConn and doing some of the notes prep they're more of an isolation heavy team more so than UConn is so maybe the ball will stop a little bit we'll see how this one goes UConn's kind of been flowing here Alex so I'm gonna assume that they'll make it to the national championship but I do think Miami can give them a good step to get in their way tonight I feel at the same vision as well as you have, John, because when I look at it, you look at the coaching comparison, yeah, Dan Hurley, he has led his squad very well. Jim Laurinaga on the other side, he has 37 years of experience now. Wow. And, and, yeah, he's now at double figures in years spent with a program right now as he's the only coach out of the remaining three teams to have done so. He's, he's very familiar with Miami, 37th year of coaching, in college basketball, though I think it's his 12th year with Miami, if I can remember correctly. Though if you look at UConn, they're just coming off a 28-point blowout <laughs> over Drew Timmy and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And that is uh, no small task. When you think about Gonzaga, you could talk about strength of conference and all that, but as you said, Drew Timmy being able to stay there for all that time, that program that Mark Few has over there, that was easy work for them, and that can put fear into the opponent's eyes, I imagine. Very much so. Maybe we could see him possibly as a second-round pick in the NBA, but who knows? Yeah, that is the question on that side, is we're going to get ready here for the starting lineups. The screen has gone all dark here. We are in Houston, Texas, the site of the Final Four, the site of the National Championship. If you had to guess here, Alec, I just wanted, you don't have to put your analysis hat on this one. Who are you taking to play San Diego State? I think it's going to be UConn, all things considered. So every game that has been, and that they played thus far, has been decided by double digits. I think Miami will give them a run for their money, but in the end it's going to be UConn. It's not going to be the double digit victory that they've been doing all this time, but they'll still come out on top. I, I have faith in them. 
I think I'm right there with you on that side. I'm not going to say a complete massacre, but I, I do think it's going to be UConn. But as far as Monday, I know we have a lot to get to before we get to those particulars. That was really impressive on the other end for San Diego State. They were down 14 against Florida Atlantic. They seemed to have that game under complete control, Alec, until they didn't. Very much, and and when I and I looked at it, I saw part of Gonzaga and UConn at the very start. It was close early on, but then it was a total mismatch later in the game. And yeah, I got to give credit to Hurley, and now we're getting to the starting lives right here. So Northshot Omir being the starting at forward for Miami. They're going through Jordan Miller. They're going through all the starting lineups. I kind of laid out some of the points per game and everything else that we have between these two teams. As I imagine in this backcourt when I'm looking at my notes on that side, you got both double-digit scores in Nigel Pack and Tristan Newton, and they can definitely get some rebounds, especially Newton on that other end. For UConn, they have a little bit more size. Miami kind of tops out at about six foot seven, unless you want to go deep into the bench. They have uh, some freshman six foot nine forwards in Anthony Walker and AJ Casey. But from everything else that I'm seeing from Miami, they might only run eight or nine deep, as where UConn will probably go with the full nine with more minutes. If if Miami is going to run eight or nine deep, it's probably because they are way ahead in this game because some of their back-end pieces might only get two or three minutes per. So Miami maybe at most six players, maybe UConn eight or nine, it'll be a little bit more deep. So it's about uh, staying hydrated, being ready, being able to run. Miami's going to play some isolation basketball and try to beat you on that side. And we'll see what UConn can do on the other end with their size. And what I noticed in one of the other notes too for uh, Calatera, he shoots 45% from deep on the other end. Joey Calatera is only six points per game, but he's going to shoot a lot of threes when uh, number three comes out there for UConn. Of course, when you think about Joey Calatera, the transfer from San Diego, he has meshed very well with the backcourt of Jordan Hawkins and Alex Caliban. And that it, that's going to present a very daunting challenge for Miami. For Miami, to, or for Miami not Miami. For Let's see here. Oh, yeah, look at UConn. For Miami to look at, because Calatera, he's shooting, he's a 44% three-point shooter, and, and he's converting on 89% of his free throws. So we're getting introduced to the UConn starting lineups. And I'm getting a chance to just look at on the other. I know it was a few seconds ago for Sunogo, and we're talking about some of his stats, and I'm interested to see how the big man is going to be able to fare, because UConn can... Pound it down low, and as you talk about Calatera, you said 45% as we talk about. That is absolutely lights out in the sense of it. So you cannot leave him open from deep. That's like, you, you, it's like you're going up against Steph Curry one-on-one -on -one <laughs> in the NBA, and you're faced with the daunting challenge of trying to guard him, which is practically near impossible. Mm-hmm. And when I just see a chance for Laranega, as you said, I can see why he's got all the coaching experience. You can see it on the top of his face. Yeah, all the coaching experience that he has had throughout the past years, and he's getting rewarded with it as he is guiding Miami to their first ever Final Four. So I was noticing something on ESPN... Uh, they were talking about Karan Butler on that side of it, but I don't know if Karan Butler actually coaches for him. They seem the former NBA player on that side, but I think it was just a uh, 
prospect piece that I saw on ESPN, but it, now that I click on it, it's not available in the region. But we will see how that one goes. I'm looking forward to this one between Miami and UConn here, Alec. I'm glad that you can join me for this one. Again, I'll try to do the national championship on Monday. I'll be here for that, and then I'll be here for Quinnipiac and Michigan on Thursday, and then we will see if Michigan wins to try to cover that one on Saturday. And admittedly, Alec, I'll say this to you right now. Normally, I try to be straight down the middle on the broadcast as much as I can be. But when you do get to the Frozen Four, maybe some of my fandom might uh, slide out on Thursday. As I'm really looking forward to that game, but I'm also really concerned about Quinnipiac because I know how good they can be. Well, especially the case, especially when you look at their goaltender, Yannick Peretz, one of the three finalists for the Mike Richter Award, alongside Devon Levi of Northeastern and Blake Pietua of Michigan Tech. Levi just made his Buffalo Sabres debut just recently, and but now you look at Peretz. He, he went lights out against Ohio State. I covered that one here over at, at Twitter Spaces. And, and I took a look at Michigan against Penn State. Man, did Penn State really give Michigan a run for their money. Liam Soulier showing that 55 save effort against the Buckeyes in the Big Ten tournament. Was no fluke. No, you're absolutely correct about that. And that's funny that you mentioned Peretz on the other end for that side because I did a game last year where he had about 60 saves. So he's he's back and he's, he's ready for business again, and that should be fun on Thursday. And as you said for Miami, first Final Four appearance in school history. For the UConn Huskies, it's business as usual. Four national titles and six Final Four appearances as we're going to be set here for the opening tip. Should be a lot of fun. And expect this national championship to be a lot of fun as well. Because San Diego State and their stifling defense going up against one of these two offenses? Wow. Can't wait for this one. No, so now I... both teams are lined up for the opening tip-off. Sunogo up against Omir for the opening tip-off. So, so Sunogo... let's get this started. Yep, so Sunogo is going to get this one underway here. And it's going to be UConn basketball as they get a chance to move this in around the right side wing and let a shot go and knock it down from distance already so they're not going to waste any time and UConn is up on the board 3 nothing. Talk about setting the pace early here for UConn. They mean business here. So Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong off the give and go as this will go back now to the Jordan Miller and Miller is going to look for a pass out right here for Wong. He's got this at the Final Four logo He's down to about eight seconds to go on the shot clock as they move this toward the right wing side, but this is a good contest. You're going to have to let this go. Wild shot that bounced up in the air, trying to get tipped out in front by Omir, and it's going to be a chance for UConn as they'll get to go left to right. They are going to wear the white jerseys with the black and red piping as a good ball movement and a good offensive rebound in there by Sonogo. Sonogo off the ball fake, it gets pinned off the right side of the basket, and this is picked up by Miami now. Trying to run a little bit of a fast break. And Wong thought he was fouled. This will bounce back up to an open right wing. Spin move. This almost gets taken away as Miami's got to put this back on the floor and kind of settle this back down. And we'll throw it in the post. Off of a spin, here's Omir. Omir puts his head down, tries to throw it up to the rim. Might get a chance to get a piece of it. Might get a step out of bounds, though. So this could go the other way. Oh, Dan, I, I, I just saw about that no call there on Isaiah uh, uh, Wong. Seemingly drew a foul there, but they haven't whistled that. That's what I thought, too, is you get a chance now here for Tristan Jackson. So Jackson 
will take his time. Again, 15 seconds to go on the shot clock. About 18-15 left to go in this first half. It's a 3-0 lead for UConn as they try to make something happen. And this gets turned right over, and this will be a foul against UConn upcoming. So first foul of the game here. So I have to see how, di how disciplined both these teams are when you speak of fouls because both San Diego State and FAU were over the limit on fouls coming at the tail ends of their game. And you only get five in college basketball. So, I mean, if you get three here and a half, that puts you in a trouble time. As you got one on the other side here for UConn. And I'll pull up the boxes when we get to a commercial break. As this gets moved around here for Wong. And then this is picked up now. Miller's going to let one go from about 16. This gets bounced up in the air and picked up now by UConn. As they can look to press a little bit. As this is open right wing side. And good ball moving at the top of the key. Going to let Sunoco launch a three. And now it's 6 nothing. so the big man knocks it down from distance. How about setting the pace early, as I mentioned earlier on the first bucket for UConn? Of course, they're going to mean business here. That was a wide-open look from Adama Sonogo to knock that down from distance. Yes, it was. And now Miller on the other end, he can't make it, so UConn has a chance to uh, press this lead here early. Again, there's tons of time, but they made back-to-back -back threes on open looks. As this is a fadeaway from about 16 and misses off the front of the rim. And this is scouted by Omir. As now Miami can get this across the timeline. And now Pack and Wong has it now. As this gets taken away, good defense there by UConn. As they're able to force it from a Sunogo steal. And then they'll give it back, set it back up. Sunogo going to launch it again. He's going to hit it again. Six straight points for Sunogo. And they might need a timeout on the Miami end. I mean, when you, when you have the ball stripped away like that and then allow six straight points from Sonogo, the best scorer on UConn, to go all alone and untouched by that, of course you're going to need a timeout if you're Larinaga. And this might be a foul on the other end for Sonogo, but as you said there, Alec, we're getting a great look at the replay on the CBS side. I mean, he was... Open at the top of the key, he was open on the right wing side, and then he had Hustle, I know it was a goaltend, but to go back there and pin the shot, so Sonogo certainly feeling himself right now with 16-25 as UConn's got the ball and a 9-2 lead. Join on here with him, the play-by-play -play being joined by Alec Nava as we take in this final four nightcap, as this is a chance toward the right wing side, and this is going to stick right in toward the basket. We see that sometimes. Of course we do, we see that sometimes from UConn, they have shown it throughout this tournament, and this here, no exception. So sometimes when I see those sticks, you always think you need the ladder on the other side. Wait, oh, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I, I, okay. You're good. I, 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 I didn't see it, but man, that, that's a rarity. <laughs> I just got, I'm a little behind, so I apologize. So now no. I'm seeing it. No oh, worries. yeah, that, that dead stick. Well... Perfect placements, maybe? Yes. yes, it was. As This is an offensive rebound here for Miami. Off of the step back. Pack going to try to fight into the traffic, and he will draw the foul. That was Wong with the help of Pack. He'll go to the line to be able to shoot two. And we'll go to commercial break. It's a 9-2 lead for the Huskies with 15-46. And you're seeing here Adama Sonogo. Yes, clearly he's feeling himself. Heading into our first TV timeout, 9-2, Huskies. 
Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun here, Alec. No, I appreciate you just uh, joining me. Whatever, if it goes a little behind or if we need a little assistance on that side, no worries. I just want to have some fun with this game with you. Like I said, I got the names and everything in front of me, but it's not going to be as sharp of call-outs, so I don't get a chance to cover a lot of college basketball. So this will be my first dip in the water as far as the Final Four and the National Championship. But uh, we'll get some prep as far as tomorrow because I'll have to make sure to get some San Diego State notes. I was really impressed as we talked about in the pregame for what they're able to bring. And right now for UConn, I think it's kind of what we expected so far. Much of the same as they have brought throughout the tournament, whether it be Iona, Gonzaga, or any opponent that they face. And I, I may be forgetting two guys. Yeah, St. Mary's and Arkansas. i got to mm -hmm. bring up dude, those two teams as well. Whether it be any of those two it's just teams I mentioned, it really doesn't matter that much for them. It feels like they're just going to run through the doors right by them. Though so I expect this to be a little different, but who knows? Maybe Dan Hurley has something that he has in mind. Well, the one thing we'll have to keep in mind, again, it's very early, so I won't throw this in the scouting report right away from what I'm seeing, but for Sunogo to already hit a pair of triples, again, I know he, he averages 17-7, and seven, but he's been wide open. Again, top of the key in the right wing side. If he keeps knocking those down, that's going to force the defense to commit, maybe open up some driving lanes inside the paint. Very much so, and... Probably if you want to talk about father-son relationships, Dan's Hurley son, Andrew, is on the team. There you go. Does he? Get, I don't know if he gets a chance to play a lot of minutes, so I'll get a chance to uh, watch that on that side. As I have a little bit of that in my notes as far as uh, some of these other names. I do see number 20, Andrew Hurley. So we will see if this game goes completely one way. He probably will get some minutes. Probably, maybe if it gets to that point, then probably we'll see the father-son connection going out in full display. Because Andrew Hurley, he's more of a depth bench, deep yeah. bench player. So there's that whenever this game goes out of hand. And probably they could bring him out there for the closing minutes. When we do get to the first half, we will go across a lot of the scoreboards as far as the NHL and uh, MLB season as we're just starting to get away the just past opening day. There's been a lot of stuff going on and some things that we have to cover. So for the UConn Huskies, again, they're showing the tournament run scoring margin. Plus 24 against Iona, 15 St. Mary's, 23 Arkansas, plus 28 against Gonzaga. Largest in any Elite 8 game since 92. I mean, my goodness, this shows that Hurley may be the truth when it comes to being the bench boss with the UConn Huskies. And I'm hoping that he stays with UConn for a long time. I know a few people that are uh, big-time UConn fans that have gone there, and, all, and they say the same thing that you bring there, Alec. they got to feel really good about where the program is headed. Especially when they're establishing themselves as a blue blood, and I think they may be at that point. Because they may be up there with the, the big guys like Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Kansas, you name it. Absolutely. So this is a couple free throw makes there for Isaiah Wong. And this is an opportunity now for UConn. Be able to run this ball in the half court. Sunogo off the pump fake. He's got a quick eight points here, Alec. He's doing severe damage. And rarely do we ever see a final four where one team is the odds on favorite to win it all. But if there's a team that can do it, it's UConn. The big factor, Adama Sonogo. 
I would have to completely agree with you on that side is this is going to be moved around here by Miami. They'll get this in toward the baseline, try to reverse it, flip it back up off the glass, kick at the friendly roll, and we will see who this is last touched off of. I believe this will stay Hurricanes basketball. All right, so as I'm looking right here, Miami is getting, making some passing movements all on around. I believe this was Jordan Miller driving. Yeah, it was Miller driving and trying to get this in. Well, that was Narshad Omir that tried to lay this in. Took still several bounces off the rim, but that was a no-go. That was a, a that was a big no-go for <laughs> Omir. Here's a three-on-three three the other way here for UConn. Is Miami just missed up a couple offensive rebound looks. And the Huskies will bring this back out to the Final Four logo. About 15 seconds left to go in the shot clock. About 14.35 left to go in this first half. It's 11-4 lead for UConn. As they have it down to 10 to shoot. And now down to 5 as they've kind of kept this at the top of the key. Somebody loses it. They're going to have to force this from about 45 feet in an air ball. So UConn didn't get anything going on that possession. And coach is none too pleased, Dan Hurley. A rare miscue for UConn in that sequence. So this will be Donovan Klingen that's going to check in now for Sonogo as they have another big man that's got some size. And then on the other end, let me see, that'll be Joey Calterra that will check in here for UConn. The three-point shooter that we talked about, that's about 46% on the season. So you cannot leave him open. And now Miami has a chance to try to cut into this lead. They're down 11-4. to They've kind of been getting pushed around. Again, there's tons of time. We're not even six minutes into it, but it's just of note. They've given up some shots. This pack will let this one go across off the pass. Get a chance to pick this one up. Again, off an offensive rebound. This is the third opportunity as Pack tries to fight in between the trees. It's a loose battle. Contera tries to save it, and now UConn does. We'll see if they get a chance to actually press Toward the right wing side, trying to save it off the pass before stepping out of bounds. And now step into a three! And knock it down! Newton makes it 14-4. UConn's up by 10 here early, Alec. I mean, UConn is just blowing the doors right quickly, of course. I keep saying this once again, but they mean business. Tristan Ewan, another big three, and they've been lights out from range. Maybe they could get some looks for Calcaterra when he's open. Absolutely. Somebody's got to be able to pick up some of this stuff here from Miami. And I just saw that shooting percentage marker, and I know this is the obvious thing to say, but you're not going to win basketball games, Alec, when you shoot 1 of 11. That's what Miami's doing right now. Somebody has to step up here if you're the Miami Hurricanes. And I'm looking at guys like Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, Nigel Pack. Northshot Omir, those four guys are averaging double figures on the season this year. So they have to step up big for the Hurricanes. And miss it off the front of the rim was Miami. Newt looking to push. This gets knocked away from Klingon. This will stay with the Huskies. 13-10 in the first. And this has been a one-sided game so far to a packed crowd in Houston Texans. But uh, we will see the way the rest of this goes. But as you said, Alec, from the, what I'm seeing right now, not only does Miami need to up that shooting percentage, because, look, they've had about five or six offensive rebounds, so they're doing a good job on that end, but you've got to be able to convert. It's going to be turned off the gotta other way. you got to capitalize for sure. 
And, and I apologize if I'm interrupting you, but you got to capitalize on those offensive rebounds. Get those second chance points up and coming. You cannot miss on those opportunities. No, you can't. And this was turned over here by UConn. I think they might have had a violation before the inbound pass. So now this will be an opportunity for the shooting guard, Isaiah Wong, to bring this right to left. Again, Miami in the black, orange, and green mix. And the orange and green on the pants as this is picked up now. And this will go back here to Wong. Now eight seconds to go on the shot clock toward the right wing side. He'll step back. This is a fourth shot, but it was really needed as he knocked that one down, I believe from distance there, make it 14 to 7. And you really had to hit that shot. Big time. You gotta hit that free to get that and get back in the game. Especially if it comes on a step back. And who else but your leading scorer, Isaiah Wong? Averaging 16.2 a year. Of course he's gotta make shots like that. That was a great looking play. They tried to double was Miami. Get the pass across from Calterra to Klingon, and he gets an and-one opportunity. Well, UConn says, anything you can do, I can do better. And then, how about that pass to the inside for Donovan Klingon? That was perfect, and you had the size mismatch there on Beverly, and if Klingon would have missed that, you'd have to send some Christmas cards out. So again, he only averages about seven, but he... Shoots 70%, about 5.2 rebounds, about over two blocks. He can't complete the and one opportunity, but it's still 16-7 as it's been all UConn with 12-10 left to go in the first. So now will be a chance here for Isaiah Wong. Step back again. Actually almost got the man to bite, but almost lost the pass. This is a drive down the lane. Klingon with a good defensive opportunity as Kontara cleans up the mess. We'll put this across the... Baseline side, and this gets stolen. It's a one-on-one -on -one and a layup. Good defense there for Miami there, Alec. They get the easy two. There you go. So uh, for UConn, of course, transitioning from defense to offense, and you mentioned about Donovan Klingon and that size mismatch. Well, as we're seeing now, that, that steal and the finish by Miami. McQuingan, 7-2. So there's that size mismatch that you're talking about. And you'll get a chance to look at another replay as one of the Hurricanes dives out of bounds to try to save it as we go to a commercial break. Oh my, he, he really took a tumble there right through the broadcaster booth. And and, and of course, I, I may know if, if the broadcasters, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, they're wondering if, he, if he's okay. And yes, he is okay. So yep, getting some help from his teammates right back up. So as it stands right now, I will look into the ESPN box score. We got 11:41 in the first. It's a 16-9 lead for the Huskies. They're being led right now by Sunogo with eight. He's got a couple from deep. He's three of four. And on the other end, as we talked about, Miami in this game they've had poor shooting, just three of 15 so far. Very uncharacteristic night for Miami. And especially in a game that you must win when your first national championship appearance is on the line. When we look at this, Miami, as I've talked about, there's been a couple things that they've done well. It's five offensive rebounds already, but as Alex said, you've got to be able to convert. And this was what I was talking about. Again, although it's early in the game, we were saying that Miami is a low-assist team, much of an ISO team a little bit. Well, as it stands right now, out of the nine points, Alec, 
No baskets have been assisted for Miami. It's six nothing in that category. I mean, it, that goes to emphasize about the ISO team that they are. No assists on any of their baskets. And, and to add on to that, so the only steal thus far by Harlan Beverly with, with the portaway to finish that off. Though the, the playmaking, you got to ask yourselves if you're Miami, if the playmaking is going to come up anytime soon. And, and this far, not a lot of assists there. The assist leader, Isaiah Wong, who averages 3.2 assists per game. Yeah, and as you said, Alec, on that side, when we talk about it, it, it's not a lot. So you have to wonder where the baskets are going to come from. If you're not able to break down the defense individually on your ISO ball, then you might have some problems. This is why we were thinking UConn might be able to do some damage in this game. I know I've been asked several times, and we already gave our thoughts, and in the sense of, is UConn the favorite for the rest of this in between the Final Four? I, I think so. But again, Miami, we'll see what they do. They've had the offensive rebounds, as I mentioned, on that side. You've got to be able to convert some of these chances. But if they go down, let's say, maybe 10 to 15 points going into the half, I don't think they're going to pull a San Diego State. I think Miami is going to be in serious trouble. I mean, it's unlikely that we see two comebacks at the same time because <clears throat> UConn, they know how to get on top early and then put it all away and get everything done. That's been shown time and time again throughout March Madness, and once again, under the brightest lights at NRG Stadium, the home of the Houston Texans, they, they, they may be doing this once again. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more, as we're going to get set to get back under action now. Alec Nava here with me, drawn out of your play-by-play, -play, man, as we're taking a look at the Final Four, again, we're at Houston Texans Stadium at NRG, and this should be fun here, but... Miami's got to get a little bit of a push. It's going to be UConn basketballs. They'll take this across the timeline. Against Sunogo, three-point field goals made. Uh, 11, but it was less, one of nine in the last few games he's played, or the last 11. So one of nine in the last 11. He's two of two right now in this game. There's a long shot from about 40 feet. That one is uh, brushed aside, picked up here by Miami. Good baseline cut. Great defense anyway, and it was still converted. I mean, he's talking about good defense, and, and man, if you want to talk about good defense, sometimes good defense can only do so much. Sometimes offensive players, they're going to do everything they possibly could to get those buckets in, even in those reverse layups. So Klingon did everything he could to try to get the offensive rebound there with Kantara. Kantara tries to pick it up. I think he's going to be brushed for a foul here, so that'll be his first. 10:51. This will be Miami basketball. So UConn already trying to get this on up to get this lead even larger. So as the mid-range shot, there, there was nothing doing there yet. It was a tie-up by Calatera and uh, Calcaterra and one of my, the other Miami player that got fouled from behind on that reach-in. So yeah, that yeah, that was a reach-in by Calcaterra. So Nigel Pack has it now as he'll make the pass across for Harlan Beverly. And now off the back down, be an opportunity for Miami off the step back from 18. This gets tapped up in the air again. This time it's actually picked up by UConn, and they've got numbers. Calcantara wanted it. He wasn't able to get it, though. He's open on the right wing side, but this gets knocked away by Miami. They've certainly pressed the defense. That's going to lead to a slam on the other end. Make it 16-13 as Miami starts to press. UConn just took this away initially. 
as they were looking for her looks, looks, and more looks, they, they find themselves trapped as they lost the ball, and ball on the other side is Harlan Beverly. So you get a chance on the other end. You get Sonogo to just check in. You go to the man that's been going to the bank and finishing it off. He gets the easy deuce. Well, who else? Adama Sonogo. And it's a show for UConn. Good ball movement here for Miami. Left all alone from three. Going to miss it off the front of the rim. And they didn't want to get it over the backwards Miami. So Sonogo going to be able to get the pumpkin. He's got it now at the top of the key. They've been giving him a lot of space, and they'll pass it back out with Calcantara and move it around as UConn's got it now. They have it at the Final Four logo. About 12 seconds to go on the shot clock. That is a good loft pass as this is moved around the horn nicely. And he's open as Calcantara. He's going to let it fly. He's trying to be tapped up in the air by Sonogo. He falls down. He's okay. And this is going to go back now here for the Hurricanes. As they'll dribble this a couple times in between the legs, trying to get something baseline. Spin off Calcantara. Hook it off the glass, try to finish it out of the air. Third offensive rebound. And we will see if this one's going to count. Oh. We'll have to take this straight to the booth review. But, and keep an eye out on Northside Omir. He's going to come onto the court because he's going, I got next. And, well. This looks like this is going to be an and-one opportunity here for Miami. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this right now, and Jim Ness said this one's going to count. So this will be an opportunity for Jordan Miller at the line. He was really good in the Elite Eight against Texas. How about 7-7 seven seven for 27 and 13 of 13 from the line? You couldn't do that on easy mode in NBA 2K. I mean, of course not. <laughs> so... He makes the end one opportunity and for everything that we talked about in the commercial break, and I thought it was fitting, and I agreed with every single one of the points that he made. Now look at it. Miami says take this, and now they're only down two. And again, we talk about 6-1 to one offensive rebound advantage. As Calcantara gets it stripped, he gets it back. He's going to fade away from 18, miss it off the front of the rim, try to get picked up. Sinogo! And he draws the foul. So... The theme of this game is that UConn has been running into some foul troubles. They got the early big lead, but Miami has been cutting right back. So, so Calcaterra gets his own strip and ball, and Sonogo tried to get this in. He, drew, he draws the contact from inside the paint, and, and you know what the paint is all about. That's a dirty area of the court, and Sonogo is willing to do the dirty work. Yes, he is. Let's see if he can knock down some free throws. He misses the first one off the front on the rim. He'll get a chance for one more. Thus far, he is outscoring the, uh, the rest of the UConn team. Thus far, 10 points. Sonogo got one more coming, trying to make this a 19-16 game. Indeed, he does. It's 8.37. We'll have to go in the first. Drone out here with you alongside Alec Nava as we take in the nightcap of the Final Four. What a game we had against the San Diego State Aztecs on the other end as they were able to take out the Florida Atlantic Owls on a Butler game winner. And now they are awaiting the winner between Miami and UConn. Let it fly! It's Miami! They tie it from the right wing side. Isaiah Wong. How about that for game-tying shots as right Miami? Shot. Of course they're going to respond right back and give UConn a run for their money. Isaiah Wong getting the look, and there, 
Or, or was that one? That was I Ike's pack. Nigel yeah. Pack. As that was my fault. This is picked up inside off the nice baseline cut. 21-19. UConn's lead is now up by two. Looking for it again. And Pack had a great take, but he must have got bothered by the last second by Sonogo. And now, here's a pass across, but a traveling violation is called. This will be Miami's basketball, and we will go to break here, Alec. It's a two-point game. Miami still looking for their first lead of the night. So UConn, their largest lead was 10 points. But Miami, in search for their first lead, they'll have to wait until after the break here. 21-19, UConn. So the one thing that we talked about in the commercial break when we were trying to give a good balance on the Miami side, I'm glad that we did. Those offensive rebounds continue to be key, but Alec, we found out, and especially that part of the break, it was the steals that led in the shots in transition, and Miami looked comfortable. They knocked them down, got back into this game. Of course, they're going to look. They're, they're looking comfortable thus far, and, and by far, they're giving UConn that run for their money. We all thought it would be Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Guess not. It's a little bit refreshing, I will say that on the other side. I apologize to any Gonzaga fans that might be uh, listening on the YouTube side. But I think it's a little refreshing to see these teams that we've seen in the Final Four. It's been a lot of fun. Especially when you come to the fact that there are no top three seeds in the Final Four for the first time ever in March Madness history. You're talking about something in the 1900s on that side. And for that to happen... Since then, and also, again, as we had history for Purdue getting knocked down as a number one seed, we've had that happen for the second time in three years. So March has definitely been full of madness. Full blown madness indeed. Don't give Purdue credit. This the, the game between Indem and Fairleigh Dickinson was tight. So I'll give them credit in the loss. Virginia, on the other hand, against UMBC, that game was a blowout. You're absolutely correct on that one. I will give you that. I guess the only thing for Purdue on that, and as we talked about that before, was they just couldn't make an outside shot. They were open, but I guess they're one of those teams that just wasn't feeling it that day. and It was enough to send them home. I mean, of course, it's still big guys and Purdue, the tallest team in the nation, and for, and for them to fall against the shortest team in the nation... The height disparity between the two teams. And you look at the score and and say, did that just happen? Yeah, because you had Zach Eady, who's like seven three, and you have a bunch of six foot six foot one guards that take out Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah. I mean, that that's just bonkers to think about. So we get a chance to look at the uh, Husky mascot. They're getting an interview here for Jim Laurinaga with Cherry, Tracy Wolfson on that. And it's a two-point game now. We'll pull back up this ESPN box score. It's 21-19 UConn with 7.40 left to go in the first half. I will say this. I know there's been tons of time, as I mentioned. It's been a good run by Miami to get back into it. They were down by as many as double digits. Certainly looked like this game was going to go one way or the other end, but that is a game of basketball, Alec. I always talk about it, whether it's college or pro. It's a game of momentum swings, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing if Miami, as you said, can take their first lead of the game. 
very sure and very much certain about that. Miami, they're no stranger to comebacks because I'll say this. They were down by eight against Drake in the first round with 459 left. They were given a 9.5% chance of winning that stage and then given a, just a 33% chance of coming out victorious in the second round when they, or should I I think it's the second round because mm-hmm. they lost their halftime lead against Indiana and then and they straight up walked over Indiana. So this was a opportunity missed by Miami on the other end to at least tie the game and then a wide open layup on the other end for Newton off the Euro step as UConn is back up now by four. Good spin, good block there by Sonogo. And this is picked up by Calcantara. Now Newton's got it left to right. And he is going to slow it down, according to the coach on that side, for Dan Hurley. As we're down to 15 seconds to go on the shot clock. So UConn, they were up by as many as double digits, and now it's four as they get it toward the right side wing, and then pull it back out. Now try to work it through the mid-rangers. This goes around the horn, top of the key. Good pass inside, Sonogo. And Lofty, with one hand, puts it in. And now make it 25-19. What can't he do for this UConn team? I mean, the work that he's been doing here, I just, man. I agree with you, Alec, on that end. They're showing Miami... Seven missed layups. You feel like Sonogo scored seven baskets all by himself. It was an isolation three off the step back that was missed by the Hurricanes. How about this? Ten field goals, nine assists here for UConn as they're certainly loving the ball movement. Now Sonogo will get this back as they'll run it across here for Newton. He'll fake the baseline. And this is open. And now probing inside the lane, try to get the layup off the glass. And it's skied and cleared by Miami. There's Isaiah Wong's got it now, right wing side. He's going to step it back from the right wing side, miss it off the front of the rim too strong. Omir puts his head down. He gets swatted. And this will go back to Yukon. Sonogo doing it all. Well, of course you have to bring up Sonogo once again. It's the Adama Sonogo show in Houston. And by the looks of it, if Yukon keeps this up and goes to the national championship, and they go on to win it, he could win national championship MVP for them. Absolutely, and it took about four different Miami players there to force the travel on Sonogo. He wanted to spin baseline as you get a beautiful look of that block against Omir. You're about to see that in about five seconds. It's two to one on the block side. Seven turnovers here for the Huskies, just two for Miami, but the problem is for Miami, they're not making shots. And that's the thing there, about the seven missed layups for them. Not ideal if you're Miami there. And for them to force a travel on Sonogo, three or four players on him, that's pretty much how unstoppable he is on the night. Those seven turnovers, they don't mean much now, but if Miami takes a lead soon, that, that may be brought up. Absolutely. I think Newton might draw the foul, but I think he might have got a piece of Nigel Pack. Hit him right up in the chin, it seems like, as the camera cut in and now it cut away. It's 4.35 left to go in this first frame. John Under with you alongside Alec Nava. Very pleased to be able to be joined by him as we take in this final four nightcap. And hopefully, Alec, if all things are good on that side, my plan is to do the Monday night game if you want to hang around for that as well. You know, I 
I may have plans to come over to, to that space as well because, you know, national championship game, UConn and San Diego State, or UConn, San Diego State, or Miami, San Diego State, why not? Yeah, I could certainly use your help on that side because, like I said, I know I'm a little bit green as far as some of these other rosters. Only had a chance. This is probably my third college basketball game I've covered this season. I know we kind of move around a little bit as Newton is going to go to the line for two. He's made the first six points, two rebounds, and four assists. He's another one of those guards. At the point, again, about ten points per and four and a half rebounds and assists. So kind of do a little bit of everything. And that is what you want for a college basketball team, especially when you have Sunogo on the inside. If you have some do-it-all guards around him, you can kind of see how, like, why UConn is having the fun they're having right now. Yep, averaging 4.6 assists per game. And UConn, very contrasting style to what Miami brings. Because UConn, of course, Newton may, may be their go-to point guard when they need him. When we're talking about this, Donovan Klingon, the seven foot two size to some of these six seven guards, he says, "Get that weak stuff out of here!" and slams it on the other end. Oh, you just brought that up—the big time rejection <laughs> by Klingon. And of course, they'll get that weak stuff out of here. The famous call by former Cavalier, er, uh, Cleveland Cavalier Austin Carr. So 27-19, we go to commercial break. The Huskies out in front. They look good, Alec. Scary good. <clears throat> so we'll give you a quick little stat reset. Again, I'll just pull this up on the ESPN box to see if anything else sticks out at us. Again, this does stick out at me. Miami, good job with the shot attempts. They got 30 to UConn's 20. But they're still just shooting 7 of 30 in comparison to UConn's 10 of 20. Just 23% right now. And that is not going to get it done. But again, as you talked about, if they can continue to get some of these offensive rebounds, force some of these steals, that could play a point in this game. But they've got to be able to convert. And as we talked about, the 7 missed layups up to about the 7-minute marker of the first that's been a big story in this game. They've got chances at the rim. They've missed some, but they've also been good rejections there by Sunogo and Klingon. They've played big inside the paint. Yeah, and UConn, they've been do pretty much doing it all so far in this game. But if you're Miami, you got to find a way to make those layups. I mean, seven missed layups by that point. Plus, you haven't even made a basket ever since ever since Nigel Pack's three-pointer at the 8.23 mark. That's four minutes without a basket. Yeah, that's a good call by you, and that is a good opportunity for me to bring up another window here for this play-by-play -play so I can bring up exactly what you're talking about. Because you're right, when you're going in these long stretches here, and again, I think it's UConn's defense too, as we talked about, some of those rejections at the rim alongside some of those missed layups, they can force you to get into some scoring lulls. And then when you allow Sunogo to do what he's doing, again, I know it's not a one-man show, and I don't want to make it sound like that, but he's really doing damage in this game so far. We're still with 4.17 left to go in the first. He's already having a half, and we still got four minutes left to go in it. So, and if Sunogo continues to the night that he's going, one halftime adjustment that I'm making, if I'm Jim Laranega, is put two guys on Sunogo make, and make him face a double team, probably even a triple team if he continues having a night like this. 
As soon as you get any sort of touch from the paint, it's an immediate double team, as you said. I, I would agree with you on that end. And yeah, you know what, Alec? I don't even think it's a bad idea to triple team them. I know some people might laugh at that, but when you have dominant players in college basketball that you know that you can't stop, sometimes that's your only option. Think of Joel Embiid back in his days in Kansas. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. If you're a college player, look, I understand how hard it is between college and pros, even from high school to college, but if you're a college player trying to stop Joel Embiid, good luck is all I can say. Good luck indeed. So if somebody's getting their masters on doing some putts, that's uh, my boy Grant Hill on that side, former Detroit Piston. Now he's a majority owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Grant is one of my favorites as far as being on the Detroit side, so I'm glad to see him doing some play-by-play -play and having some fun with this. This is a chance now for UConn. They have it on the right wing side, and Kantar will flip it around, take a long-distance three. That's going to be airballed, and that can't be saved. And this will be an opportunity here for Miami. One of the rare shots is Elena let it fly. He was open. Coach says, don't worry about it. We'll take another commercial break. It was a wide-open shot. Sometimes you just get an airball. Sometimes you have those rare misses, and sometimes you have those days where, where that happens. And, yep, as Calcaterra tried to save that up, it was a little too far of us reach. So we're going to go ahead and pay some bills again, and even though we just did that for about 30 seconds, so we don't really have a score change for you. We only had about 20 seconds move off the clock. But I will say this, Alec, I appreciate you joining with me on this broadcast. It's been fun so far. I'm glad that Miami's had a little bit of push because I was concerned that this game might go one way. I do think that their defense has been good. But as you talked about between that double or triple team on Sonogo, I think that might be what it's going to take because he's looked borderline unstoppable. But we'll have to see what this last four minutes will bring for us in the first half. You'll see if there's any changes that Miami's going to make and to get their first point since the eight-minute mark because, man, they, they need points badly. They absolutely do. And again, when we get into our commercial break, we'll go along the lines of uh, giving you some NHL and some MLB scores. I know that there's been a lot of those. There's only a couple NBA games on today. I imagine that was going to be the case because you don't want to supersede with the tournament. But we do have a lot of updates for you. We also have a lot of late hockey games that are going to be getting underway when that time. We do have a lot of finals as well, but we'll touch on all of those after this uh, four minutes. Yeah, a lot to cover here, especially when it comes to NHL action. And I'm looking at it right now. The Florida Panthers, for now, have taken the second wild card, jumping the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was going to be one that I had to ask you about, unfortunately, Alec. It's not, uh, it was a lot to ask for Pittsburgh to be able to beat Boston today, but they were able to come back several times before Pasternak got that late goal. A hat trick for him as well, and maybe this rocket Richard debate could be re-sparked, because Connor McDavid, 61 goals, Pasternak is now 56. <laughs> I understand how good Boston is, and that's probably superseded the fact that he's got that many goals because that lineup is so loaded. But at the same time, I think I'd be disingenuous just saying that David Pasternak, I think he's just that damn good. I really do. You know, when you score all those goals for your team, no matter 
how it is, it, would it be even strength or right. power play goals coming from the left circle at Ovechkin's office? Yeah, he is that good. And you can argue that it's either him or Linus Allmark for team MVP. That's a very good call by you, and that's a very tough one to make. I'd have to flip a coin almost at that point. So we have a 27-19 game right now with about 3.45 left to go in this first. As this pick back up, no trade on Mir. We'll check in here for Pack. And now Miller off the spin. We'll try to get to the lane, and it was just hands up here for UConn. I don't blame them. But a good offensive rebound again. Put back in in Miami. Back within six, it's 27-21. UConn will bring this across the timeline now as Watson and Klingon over this round for Carl Kantara. He's got it on the right wing side. UConn still continuing to try to find an opening here with Newton. As he gets canceled off, he's going to have to let go of the pass and now Klingon will get this one in as Newton will fade away from 16, miss it off the front of the rim, a little too strong. And now Miami look to push. So Pogba will pull this one back here for a chance for Isaiah Wong, as he'll get it now from Pack. Wong at the top of the key as this goes back here for Miller. He'll get it back. Now 10 seconds as he'll work his way, force a tough mid-range shot, and Klingham got his hands up now for Kalkantara. I'd say two on four for Miami, so UConn will have to find an opening here on the right wing side. Somebody missed an assignment and going to get an offensive rebound. Go strong to the rim and scores! UConn gets a tough basket there, 29-21. And UConn, of course, bend but don't break whenever it comes to missing an assignment there. And, man, well, that wide open look initially, but then the hustle, the hustle by Naeem Alain to get his own rebound and put it in. So Miller and Wong tried to team up on a two-man game, and that was a reverse layup for Pacquiao. Euro step all the way around it. Good defense at the rim. That denied Klingham as well. And now here's a chance for Isaiah Wong. He'll step through. He'll make the extra pass across on the right wing. Missed it off the front of the rim. Omir tried to get the rebound, and that was taken away from him. And now Yukon has the opportunity to put this at the top of the key and slow it down right now for Dan Hurley's squad. And this almost gets taken away in the backcourt. Kalkatar going to let it fly as a result as he was alone. And now it's 32-21. There's the sharpshooter, Kalkatara, standing there over at the left wing side. As, and now he's moving on around. Yep. Yeah, that was almost stolen away. <laughs> and I appreciate that everybody will got Popo on trying to steal it. But, well, that was a perfectly timed pass and a perfectly placed pass. Yes, it was. Miller off the two-man game, and his pass will lead to a three for Miami. So UConn had its largest lead of the game at 11, and now it's back down to eight as Miami hit a badly needed shot from distance. They'll bring this across the timeline now. Colquintara will get this across as this will be a screen for Klingham. And now they'll try to get this one on the right wing side. Thought they were going to throw it inside to Klingham. They're going to shoot a... 18-foot step back. That was an extremely difficult shot. And that was knocked in. And let me make sure that I get a number on that one. That was Naheem Aline as he knocked that one down. That was extraordinarily difficult. Yes, very difficult shots when you talk about those step-back jumpers. And even more difficult are the fadeaway shots, which is not the case here 
but either side, you look at step back jumpers, yeah, those are tough shots to knock down, always. Absolutely, and a great hand there by Klingham. He knocked away a lob opportunity for Omir. That would have been highlight reel. Still, it's a 10-point lead for UConn, and it's 19 seconds left to go in this fast-moving first half. Again, very happy to have Alec Nava with me here in this Final Four nightcap as this is dumped in here for Omir off the sideline on a bounds. Omir trying to put his head down for a no-look pass, and sometimes when you throw those no-look passes, your teammates aren't expecting it, and that's exactly what happened. It's a turnover. It's going to be UConn's basketball with the final shot here. Oh, yeah, as I'm looking right previously, that, that was that pass and that lob up front intended for Omir, but Clayton was there. So we'll go to commercial break, and this is going to be a chance for UConn to get the basketball. 13.9 seconds left, and I wonder what Hurley's team is drawing up, and maybe an answer for Laranaga's team defensively in trying to get one last shot. I'm really only going to two options here, Alec. I know it's probably easy to say. I either go to Sunogo or I go to a uh, three-pointer there for Calcaterra. That's really the only two that I'm thinking of right now. Pretty much. <laughs> I think I think UConn's in a position to do whatever they want to do right now. Again, you take the two or three, whatever you can get, that's the easiest one. UConn was able to uh, force back a pretty good run by Miami. They got this within four points, and now UConn back up by ten. So it's been some wild momentum swings. And somebody's yelling on the assignments as Hurley, as you can see that on his face right now, as we're going to chance to inbound this on the sideline. So UConn will bring this across the timeline. they got eight seconds left to go in the first half. They're up by ten. They're looking to be up by more. Klingham will get this across. Newton going to try to go baseline. Wide open opportunity for three. It's good! UConn takes a 37-24 lead. That's just like you draw it up. Oh, oh, man, UConn, of course, of course, they mean it, and they're bringing out everything they have, and right at the final seconds of it, a buzzer-beating first-half three-pointer to get UConn up 13 at halftime, and 13, who says it's an unlucky number? They're all smiles here. That was number uh, 11 there, I think, or 41, Emmett Hendry, but I want to make sure that I get my numbers correct. Yeah, Alex, Alex Caravan. Caravan. Alex Caravan knocked it down from distance. Thank you on that side. I want to make sure I got that correct and get that call out. So this is a big-time lead here for UConn again, as we just talked about about 15 seconds ago. What do you want to draw up? I think they got that one perfectly. I'm glad that we called that one out. It's a 37-24 lead for UConn. So... How about it, Alec? Let's just go across it right now. Do you want to take a look at the NHL scoreboard as we're in the middle of our first half? Yeah, I want to take a look at this as at first glance because the Nashville Predators somehow staying alive in the playoff race. They're right now one point behind the Calgary Flames aims for the third place spot in the wildcard chase. Three points behind the Winnipeg Jets. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been struggling as of late, and to say they have not gained the, the results that they needed maybe a slight understatement when you look at the, the Winnipeg Jets. They went as high as first place yeah. in the Central Division, but the wheels have been falling off, off as of late. 
in the late stretch for them. So Nashville, 6-1 over the St. Louis Blues. The goal is from the Predators by Tommy Novak, Cody Glass, Colton Sissons, Luke Evangelista, Yakov Trenin, and Philip Tomasino. And Callie Rosen at the only tally for the St. Louis Blues in this match. The Boston Bruins and Pittsburgh Penguins, the final game between these two teams, every one of these three games being decided by one goal, Boston coming up victorious in every one of them. This time around, it was David Pasternak on a hat trick. The only goal that wasn't by Pasternak was from Charlie McAvoy on the power play. Two goals from the Penguins came from Brian Rust. The only one that didn't was Jake Gensel. So at least the Penguins have some half-off Jake shakes. But as of right now, they're outside the playoff picture. Why is that? The Florida Panthers just beat the Columbus Blue Jackets by a touchdown and extra point. So Carter Verhage had a four-goal night on that note. So he's up to 40 goals on the season. The other goals from Sam Reinhart, Nick Cousins, and Eric Stahl. So then the Buffalo Sabres beating the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3. Uko Pekalukinen, 39 saves in that effort. And the goals from Buffalo come from Kyle Ocposo, Alex Tuck, Jordan Greenway, Jeff Skinner, Tuck again. And Tuck for the hat trick, shorthanded. For Philadelphia, Morgan Frost. Then it's Frost again and Travis Konechny. So a two-goal night for Frost and a hat trick for Tuck. So the Rogue Sabres fans throwing the hats down at the Wells Fargo Center. And then, so that's there for Philadelphia. A 3 nothing shutout from Auntie Ronta, though. So it's been the Hurricanes defense that's been much to tell the tape as they limited the Montreal Canadiens to just 14 shots. While the Hurricanes have, have more than tripled that shot number at 50. The goals from Brady Shea, Paul Stassi, and Sebastian Ajo. Now, the first start of this game, Brent Burns. Gotta give props to Sam Montebote, though, as he would face those 50 shots, stopping 47 of them. Not bad indeed. That's good for 94% save percentage. And going on over to the other final scores around, it's a shutout for the Tampa Bay Lightning as Andre Vasilevsky stopped all 38 Islanders shots. The goals came from Mikhail Sergeyev, Tanner Janot, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and Braden Point. That's Janot's first goal as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Something of note there, because before tonight, he has not recorded a goal in a Bolts uniform. So, And the shutouts just keep on going here. Aside from Florida, Carolina, and Tampa Bay, Toronto has a shutout of their own, 3 nothing against the Ottawa Senators. Matt Murray did not get the start for the Leafs. It's Ilya Samsonov. He has turned away all 31 Ottawa shots. Michael Bunting, William Newander, and Radim Zahorna scoring for the Leafs. All three of those goals coming in the second period. Mark Giordano also got one of the free stars of this game. We are also underway in several games right now. The New Jersey Devils have just scored recently against the Chicago Blackhawks. It's Ryan Graves, but that's the latest goal. The other goals from New Jersey coming from 
Dougie Hamilton, Eric Halla, and Jesper Boquist. And Tyler Johnson and Lucas Reichel getting the goals for Chicago. The Colorado Avalanche up 2-0 on the Dallas Stars. It's Nathan McKinnon and Logan O'Connor so far for Colorado. Alexander Georgiev has stopped all 12 shots that he has faced against Dallas. Kings and Kraken, Wild and Golden Knights, Sharks and Coyotes, and Ducks and Oilers have just gone underway. Good job, Mike. There's the NHL report there. Good job by you, Alec, on that side. I wanted to just make one note. If it wasn't for the Final Four side, you and I probably would be doing the Stars and Avalanche game. This is a humongous game for both teams, but I will say one thing. I think it's even bigger for the Dallas Stars. I think if you don't win this division, and the prospect is that you maybe play the Avalanche in the first round if you're Dallas, that is exactly what you don't want. <laughs> Exactly what you don't want if you're the Dallas Stars. And, and this division, just like the Pacific Division, it's wide open. Minnesota currently has a division lead at 97 points, one ahead of Dallas. Both Minnesota and Dallas have the same number of games played. Colorado has played 74 games this far, 94 points. So after tonight, they'll mark the game totals up to 76 for the Stars, 75 for the Avalanche. And yeah, had it not been for the Final Four happening tonight, yeah, we would be doing the Stars and Avalanche game. This is a very big one for both these teams, considering the circumstances. A division that's up for grabs. I covered these two teams beforehand. Yeah. That was a 3-2 shutout win for the Avalanche over the Stars at Dallas as well. Because Jason Robertson, he had the game-tying goal with 25.8 seconds left, only for Miko Rantanen. To score the shootout winner. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch as far as some of these playoff matchups, especially in the West. As you said, there's a lot to be decided. Hell, if we talked about the Minnesota Wild a month and a half ago, they were looking outside wild card number two, and now they are tops in the Central Division as of right now. And for the Edmonton Oilers, they've been making one heck of a playoff push. Yes, Vegas has already clinched. But it's not to say that maybe they won't get the number one seed. That was your call there, Alec, on that side. I went with the L.A. Kings. And uh, Edmonton might have something to say of who's going to win this Pacific. I'm going to make sure on the other end, I'll just go through this quickly here, as far as the baseball scores. They do have a couple shout-outs that I will make, but these will just be scores. These won't be in-depth. But we're really just getting underway in the baseball season as most teams are playing two games throughout it. So the Reds, they got a 6-2 win at home at Great American Ballpark against the Pirates. It was 6-2 Mets over the Marlins. Again, they're going to be missing Justin Verlander services for about two and a half months as he tore up something near the right armpit. So he goes down. The Mets, they're not feeling too good about themselves, but they should against the Marlins right now. They get a 6-2 win. It's back-to-back -back shutouts of the same score for the Twins over the Royals. They've yet to score a run in two games. They lose 2-0 yet again. And for the Tigers, they're just going to continue to lose a lot of games. I picked them to probably go 60 and 102, and I think I might have overshot it because the Rays won 12 to 2, and they destroyed the Tigers at Tropicana Field. This is the one I wanted to mention in particular, and this isn't to throw a shade on anything, but I saw this as far as the MLB TV package. Red Sox and Orioles. You want to talk about a crusher of losing a game? So you got Felix Bautista on the mound and try to close it. As the Orioles look to go 2-0, so it's runner on uh, second, 
and you have a two outs, and it goes right to McKenna in left field. He's got two outs. All he's got to do is catch it, and the game's over. He drops the ball. Very next batter, Red Sox come up, hit a two-run bomb, win the game. They steal it 9-8. to eight. It was all Angels over the Athletics, 13-1. to one. The Giants even up their series against the Yankees at one apiece. They win 7-5. Texas Rangers have scored about 30 runs in two games. This is an eye-opener. They win 16-3 against the Phillies. And they get, they get the benefit of landing Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> Absolutely. You have that offense. You have DeGrom now. We knew what the Rangers could bring. All they got to do is upload that pitching staff. And with DeGrom, that might be the ticket that they need. Braves, they get an easy series to start the year. They get another win. They win 7-1 against the Nationals, go to 2-0. Cubs and Brewers are now tied 1-1 on the season as the Brewers take a 3-1 win. It was all Cardinals against the Blue Jays. They win 4-1. The Astros take two out of three against the White Sox in another comeback variety. Every single one of these games, the White Sox in the first three, they had a lead at Minute Maid, but they lost it today. They lost 6-4. to four. The Mariners and Guardians are currently underway. That's scoreless. The Dodgers all over the Diamondbacks 5-1, to one, and the other one in progress that we have, the Padres, they're trying to get their first win of the season against the Rockies. They're up 5-1, top six. And you mentioned about the Guardians and Mariners so it's once again scoreless at the middle of, of the approach the middle of the third inning. So it was another scoreless match. That was the first matchup between these these two teams mm-hmm. before Ty France at the home run, three runs in that first meeting. That was a lot of fun. I was able to actually do that game and call that one with Cooper Hopkins on that end. I know he's a lifelong Mariners fan, so he asked me to cover that one. He actually helped me get the MLB TV package because I wasn't aware with the T-Mobile promotion. If you have T-Mobile phone service and you claim it within the next three days, you can get free MLB TV. So it looks like I have that for the rest of the year, which was nice because I just had to switch phone pants. Oh, and meanwhile with me, I, I, I'm over with AT&T. <laughs> <laughs> so if we do have any mixes as far as anything that you want to cover in your local area, we can definitely get to that point, Alec, on that side. I know it's probably, uh, where are you located right now? Are you, are you in Pittsburgh or where are you at? I'm currently at High Point, North okay. Carolina. North Carolina, all right. So anytime you want to get a chance to be able to cover something on the local side, you let me know. On that end, we can probably work that out. Because the only thing I get the only thing I get blacked out on is Tigers games, but I don't want to watch the Tigers anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's also that. <laughs> and the Pirates on the other side, they're supposed to come after a rebuild. Of course, with Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz leading the way. Yeah. There's also that. You have a couple studs there, and you also have the return of Andrew McCutcheon for a year, whether it's a farewell tour or not. I will always remember Andrew McCutcheon and the Dreads and being a very much a favorite of mine. No, the, uh, I think the pitching issues may need to be addressed because I know if Mitch Keller is truly it. That is probably a good call by your part. I don't know either. I don't think they have much of a pitching staff there. You kind of wish that the Pirates were in the same level of the Baltimore Orioles as far as the come-up side. I know they have a lot left to do, but those guys can certainly hit as we're watching some highlights here between Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. And again, we will see that jump shot game winner. I didn't know if Butler was going to get the shot off in time when I was watching it in real time, Alec. 
And, and I was calling that game over here at Twitter Spaces on a playoff play. I'm coming off that hatch. And, and to see Lamont Butler get that shot away on the mid-range. And somewhere, I, I, I don't know if Kawhi is watching. Well, not really if Kawhi is watching, but maybe his Clippers teammates may have let him know about that. It, to see his alma mater just hit that buzzer beater over FAU. Who knows of, of his reaction? That's, yeah, that's always so much fun. I imagine, again, if I was a college athlete in an NBA, I'd always be watching my team to want to see what they do. You kind of carry that passion all the way through the rest of your life, no matter how many years you play there. Hell, I even imagine on the NBA side, you kind of wonder what the Raptors, because Kawhi Leonard brought a championship to Toronto when you never thought that that would happen. So there's a lot to think about for Kawhi. He's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer in my book. There's going to be a, a much sparked debate about that, though. When I look at that, at the defense to offense mantra, I thought Davis missed the lip initially. It may have been partially blocked when I look back at it. Yep, Butler got it off on time. He definitely got it off on time, sunk it right through. I don't know if Kawhi knows about it just yet, but his Clippers are currently playing against the New Orleans Pelicans. They are tied 90 apiece. Waiting stages of the third quarter, he has 26 points. <laughs> Russell Westbrook has 22. Man. And on the other side for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, the leading scorer, at 25 points. Jonas Valanciunas, 19. CJ McCollum, 17. I was just going to say to your point, they showed this on the TV side when they showed Kawhi Leonard's reaction. It was just his stone face picture. Good work there by the uh, CBS TNT crew side. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I just saw that. And, and Charles Barkley, outright shocked, giving that same reaction. Of course, that's going to be on the internet for a while. The same way the Stephen A. Smith reaction to the DeAndre Ayton dunk right after the Jay Crowder alley-oop at the buzzer against the, between the Suns and Clippers in the West Final two years ago. And then, yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be a lot of moments that will always be uh, etched in history, so when you get one of those great reactions, it'll be something that we will carry for for the rest of it. But as they just showed again with Kawhi Leonard on that side, that's the face that he always makes that they talk about, so good luck by those guys to get that done. Again, we are in the middle of the halftime here, as it's a 37-24 lead for UConn. And I'll say this right now, again, I'm not the betting man, but I, I will throw down the imaginary Monopoly money on this one. There will not be a big-time comeback for Miami. I think UConn will lock it down. I'm not saying they're going to win by double digits, but we're not going to see a San Diego State. Yep, and, and by the looks of it, with how UConn normally plays their games throughout March Madness, yep, that, that's in the case. And you have all Miami, yep. There's another Super Mario commercial. I've been getting a lot of that uh, lately, especially they just did one recently with Clay Thompson. A Super Mario Brothers commercial with Clay Thompson? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on in the NBA? That's crazy. I wonder. Speaking of what is going on to the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks are 1-6 in their last seven games. They have fallen from the fourth seed to out of the play-in ever since trading for Kyrie Irving. 
So, right. And they just lost their most recent matchup, 129-122, to against the Miami Heat. And it's fair to wonder about the duo of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Is it really meshing out? Is it, Who's really the problem? I, I, I don't think it's Kyrie this time around. It feels as if Luka's play style doesn't mesh well with the other players. So I feel he has to adjust to keep his, keep his ship afloat. You know what, Alec? I have a uh, friend in Dallas that I play some games with, talk to sometimes, and he ends up talking about that too. And look, you and I can agree on this. And that backcourt, those two guys can get 60 in any given game combined. But it's also about that defensive look. I just don't think Dallas has that now. They don't have the personnel. I don't disagree with you on the Lucas stuff. I think he might need to change some things because I think Kyrie's looking good right now. But it, it bears repeating. Kyrie needs a contract after this. And Dallas is going to have a lot, lot left homework to do, I think. Barry, a lot of work to do. It's a big uphill battle for the Mavericks if they want to make to the play-in. Because at this point, it feels as if playoffs may be out of the question at this current moment as far as you want to make it without the play-in. So play-in may be where it starts at. You're right on that end. And it's hard to believe that once that trade was made, I'll, I'll go on the record and say I thought that that was going to at least keep Dallas in the same spot. I understand they got rid of Dorian Finney-Smith and some of their other defensive pieces, but I didn't think that they were going to fall this hard. I mean, they got swept by the Charlotte Hornets this year. That's just bad. It, yeah, that, 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 there's just no way that uh, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, there's just no way that you should get swept by the Charlotte Hornets in the regular season series. Because it's just unbelievable when you look at it. To lose both of those games, 117-109 the first one. Then you lose to them 110-104. Both in back-to-back -back games. No way that that should happen. No. And I also think, too, I understand. I know this is years ago. Jason Kidd was in Milwaukee. Now Jason Kidd's part of Dallas. He's an absolute uh, favorite over there in Dallas. But I kind of thought Jason Kidd was more of a hometown hire. I don't think his coaching credentials and everything else are all that great. That's just me. Some people can disagree with on all that. I don't know if he's a great X's and O's guy. If he's more of a recruitment guy then maybe I can understand that if that's enough between Nico Harrison, the general manager, and Mark Cuban and Jason Kidd to want to make sure Kyrie stays. you got to get that done. The rumors that I'm being told by, again, I know he's one of my friends, but he's always plugged in on the Dallas side, is that uh, LeBron and Draymond Green rumors to Dallas in the offseason alongside Kyrie Irving. That would be spicy, and if that happened, just to entertain that for about 15 seconds, I think that it would need to. Because right now, Dallas is, for the rest of their uh, lineup and everything else, they need a shake-up. Because as it is right now, it's not enough to get it done. Uh, then again, those rumors may have came from Bill Simmons. And yeah. really, in, in all likelihood, when it comes to rumors circling around, I don't think Bill Simmons is the best possible source for things. So I don't really trust that. Is he more more so on the lines of running his mouth nowadays now that he's off TV? <laughs> well, pretty much 
when you look at that, he may be running his mouth in a way. So, yeah. Okay, I'm just wondering, because I, I know it's Bill Simmons, I know he's wrote a book, he's done some other things, he's, he's a smart guy, but I also understand it's not Adrian Wojnarowski bringing us the details. It's, it's a mighty different story when you hear from uh, Woj's mouth. Either Woj or Shams, because those two are the most reliable sources in the NBA. I agree with you. I just want to throw that out there. I'm glad that we got some clarification on that, because... I'm not certainly insinuating LeBron to Dallas, but if you're a fan, you better hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So 37-24, we are getting some of the highlights here for first half, Alec, and it seems like we are just minutes away to go as they're showing Sunogo, and he's doing it all between the inside and out. He's been unstoppable, as we said. Yeah, he's very much unstoppable for UConn. And for Miami, you've had the fewest first half points this season thus far. And there's got to be, if there's a time to turn things around, it's got to be now. Though you're facing against a tough UConn team, who knows? Who really knows? Yeah, if they can push the pace and they can continue to get some steals and some rebounds and actually finish some layups at the rim, they got a chance. They've played some good defense. They've got some offensive rebounds. Again, trailed by 13. The 13-29 remaining in the second half, and then outscored Texas 37-17 to take that game. I was able to actually cover Texas in one of the games I did early in the year. I like that team. I actually thought they could go all the way. That was a good win by Miami on that side, but they got a lot of work to do now. Very much a lot of work to do. They, they trailed by 13 with 13-29 left in the second half against Texas. But they have came back from deficits beforehand. That was the case against Drake, who everyone thought was going to be a Cinderella story. But that turned out to be not the case as Miami was able to come back from down eight with 4.59 left. But against UConn, this is a different animal. So that was some ridiculous ball movement by UConn as we started the first possession of the second half. And it turned out to just be a loft pass to Sunogo. And he makes it... 39-24. They've made two of their last 14 field goals, Miami. they got to get it going. And Nigel Pax pass. That almost gets turned over as Nomir is trying to clear out this paint. And now Miami does. They dribble it off their foot. This is a nightmare start here. Yeah, this is not the most ideal position for Miami to be in. Up against this tough UConn team. Jim Laranega, I'll give him credit for being... The most experienced coach here among the last three teams remaining. And, and then to have that ball go right out of bounds when trying to keep this in, no, not ideal. So Caravan going to let it fly. He gets to roll off the front of the rim, and this is picked up by Miami. Whatever it is right now with 1845 in the second half, they just need baskets. That's really all you can say is he miss it off the front of the rim. Caravan will get the miss, and this is picked up by Newton as they put this across. So Jackson will give this across to Sonogo now at the top of the key. And UConn, again, I wouldn't say bleed the clock, but they're going to be smart about each possession right now as they're way out in front, and they're going to make sure Miami can't get into a rhythm. As Newton's got it now, he puts the ball on the floor. Sonogo, right wing side, he's got to get to the basket, and he does! He was at the right wing side for three. Euro stepped his way to the lane and scores again. 41-24. And there's a the thing that he's been doing all the time here. Sonogo, 
going all crafty for UConn. Going right over from the right corner and right in. Man. No Chad Almir on the other end. It was a big against a small, and he won that size mismatch. You got a key two there for Miami, but now they're going to need to start getting more of those and getting stops. As this is Newton now on the right wing side. He's protecting the ball well as it's down to 10 seconds off the wraparound. Still at the top of the key. Newton's going to get to the lane. He's going to put his head down. This is picked up by Sonogo. Here's a chance for Caravan for three. Cans the shot. 44-26. Oh, boy. This is really going out of hand right here. And, and UConn, of course, winning their first four her matches by a double digits. They may be on pace here for another, another double digit victory if Miami can't get the scoring going. So this is packed from Wong, and this is picked up on the right wing side for three. Miami needs this. They got a great look. They couldn't convert, and they turn it over as they couldn't corral the pumpkin. Still 44-26. It's all UConn, Alec, and now Caravan getting in with a couple of threes. Caravan there, one to two sharpshooters from distance for UConn alongside Joey Calcaterra. So Caravan, need I mention, he's a 41% three-point shooter. Calcaterra, as I mentioned earlier, 44% from Bree and, and Caravan and Calcaterra showing why they are sharpshooters. And he points to the crowd. Absolutely ridiculous percentages. This is an offensive rebound opportunity for UConn. All kinds of contact at the rim and drawing the foul and going to the line, I believe, are the Huskies as they can try to add to this 44-26 lead. And as you said, with those percentages, and then you mix it on the inside with Sonogo, that's exactly what you want in a college basketball team. You made the Embiid comparison early, and I thought it was apt by you. When you have somebody like that with some outside shooters, and now you have Sonogo and some outside shooters, you can see why UConn's really dangerous as they make the first. They're up by 19 now. Yeah, what do you, would it be the inside guys that get the job done when they're getting shut down you have the outside guys that can do the work would it be would it be caravan or calcaterra that's doing the work on the outside sonogo on the inside or donovan Klingen, the 7-2 center for yukon and and not to mention about jordan hopkins he he's a he's a sophomore guard from gabersburg maryland second leading scorer on this team, yeah, he, he knocked down a free throw from my end. So, Norchad Omir gets absolutely swatted, and that left to a wide-open three for UConn. They missed it. That was a point-blank look, and that was a great take on the other end by Nigel Pack. And hopefully he's just tying his shoes. It didn't roll his ankle. Looks like he's just tying his shoes. As I was going to the right-wing side, he knocked down the running layup. But they swarmed Omir on that possession there. Uh, Alec on that end and it was good for UConn good for UConn on that part and, and Miami trying to respond right on the other side yeah there's the guy that's tying his shoes there so here it was a foul on, on that way but we'll see so Nigel Pack eight points three of eight shooting two of three from deep is they got to be able to just let that spray go a little bit but UConn's defense they're not really playing a zone they're just playing good man-to-man -man. lob opportunity and that was to nobody in particular and that was read by Omir and now Miami gets a stop now see if they can put some together on the offensive end 
toward the right wing side. Isaiah Wong off the step back, now has it on the right wing, and he'll pull this one back. That's what Omir wants right now, is they'll get back within their offense. Now at the top of the key, as this is moved back around, here's a chance for Pack off the pocket pass, trying to find Omir, and he was fouled, cutting the lane. He'll get two free throws. So then Miami, Miami's going on 12 of 39 possessions tonight. Not the ideal Miami team that, that they want to see there. Not the Miami team that blew the doors off Houston earlier, dropping 89 points on them. They really need these free throws. Any points, they, could, they have to take it. Yes, they do. And as we go to commercial break, again, we will give you the scoring reset. It's 46-28. It's an 18-point lead with... 15.32 left to go in the second. As we talked about some of the things on offense, and Alec was right, in between those three-point shooters and Sunogo, you got a, a UConn team that can pretty much never really go cold because you have those outside shots. You have the inside shots. You can go to the bread and butter when you need it, and that's what makes them really dangerous. And no disrespect whatsoever to the Aztecs. I certainly imagine they're going to give them a fight, but what I'm seeing right now against this Miami team, who's really beaten some good teams in their own right. As we said, Iona, St. Mary's, Arkansas, Gonzaga on the other end for UConn, and then Miami, Drake, Indiana, Houston, Texans. They, they've beaten some great teams to get here, but UConn just looks to be a whole nother level right now. Definitely a whole nother level for or UConn, especially with the way that they've been playing throughout the tournament. All their games being decided by double digits, I don't know how many times I had to bring that up, but, well. It's worth hitting the key button. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's worth hitting it because that's what you have to say. You have UConn on this side in 29-8 and eight record, 29-7 and seven for Miami, but they just they don't have a player like Sunogo. They got a bunch of six, seven small forwards. A lot of these guys on their bench side, they're about six, seven, six, eight, but they only get about four or five points a game on that end. So where's the offense going to come from? We talked about the ISO play, maybe having to need some threes, but Miami has been able to fish some of these layups. When Alec and I brought up uh, Donovan Klingon and Sonogo and some of the things on the inside, that's been a part of the reason why Miami has struggled. But missing layups is an issue. Turning the ball over now in the second half to start. They've turned the ball over four times not even in five minutes into the second half, that's a problem, especially when you're down 18. Big problem for Miami, considering the, all the stages there. So we're looking at some of these other camera angles right now through the tournament, and the UConn fans have had plenty to cheer about. You're going to get a chance to look at some of these blocks and everything else if you're a Miami fan. I imagine that you're just sitting on your hands right now, waiting for something to happen. Again, 15.32 left to go in the second half. Tons of time, but will they be able to stop UConn on offense? They went on a 27-9 run, Alex, since the game was tied at 19. That's how unstoppable UConn has been, and with how they have been rolling. They've been very much on fire. And would it be a tie game early on in the game? No problem for them. They'll just take over the over the rest of the way. <laughs> As you're looking at Jim Laranega, and now you got some free throws on the other end for Miami. So the first one's canned, and this is going to have to continue to be the case. 
to be able to knock these down as Nochad Omir at the line. He makes them both, and as Alex said, absolutely had to do so, as it's still a 16-point deficit. And now UConn, they don't care. They're pushing the pace, and they knock it down from three from the right wing side. They're just continuing to run their offense to perfection. Very much a night that has gone everything their way. That, but you can say the same thing for every other one of their March Madness games. This has been the tale of the tape for UConn throughout the tournament. Absolutely. Bensley Joseph off the bench for Miami just cans the three from the top of the key. And Miami responds, but again, now they need to respond in a defensive effort. There you go. Here's Isaiah Wong. Throws it down. He steals it from Jackson. And now it's 49-35. So a step closer on that end, but they're going to need a lot more of it. As it's a 9-3 run for the Hurricanes. And Jackson getting a chance to run some backup point guard. You can certainly tell the size mismatch between Jackson and Isaiah Wong. And now Newton. Off of a lob pass, and that was lazy for Sunogo. Here's a gorgeous pocket pass and a fast break layup for Miami. So they've gotten some steals in this first half. Now they've gotten some steals in the second half as they're back within 12. Yeah. Oh, Miami turning it on. Maybe we can see something here from the Hurricanes as they try and storm back and make this a single-digit lead for UConn. And if I'm Dan Hurley... Yeah, I'm going to call my timeout, which they do right here. Try and regroup and stop Miami from coming right back. Yeah, no doubt about it. The one thing that Alec and I can tell you that we certainly notice is Miami is definitely out in those passing lanes. They're looking to press, get those steals, and get easy baskets. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. When you're down 12 with 14-18 to go in the second, you have to be able to do something to get out in front, maybe cheat a little bit, anticipate. That was a lazy pass on the inside that was knocked away, and it allowed a fast-break opportunity as you take a timeout. Yep. Got, got to stop something. Got to stop Miami's scoring run here by Dan Hurley and regroup. Have everyone come over. So, find UConn. The scoring does not stop here, especially when you have a large lead. Keep it going. Probably up until the final five minutes where you can put, you can just bleed out the clock if you're up that big. I absolutely agree with you on that side. Too many times, and again, we're not accusing UConn or Miami of doing this if they were in this certain situation because I think that they would know. But too many times if you're a lesser opponent in competition and you get a big lead, you're more along the lines to hold and try to protect as much as possible. That often turns into a mistake, like you said, unless there's like four or five minutes left. Probably don't want to do that here if you're UConn, because Miami's already shown you, especially from these last couple sessions, and to force the timeout here from Dan Hurley. He notices it, he sees it right away, and if he sees his team playing a little tentative, you got to make sure you keep your foot on the gas, so it's well said by you, Alan. Very much, very much so. So we will see what changes here. I'm looking at the team stats. Now about 18 of 36 are for field goals for the Huskies. They're at 50% exactly. And an extra nine opportunities for the Miami Hurricanes. They're 14 of 45. They've bumped their field goal percentage up. They were at 22%. 
Now they're at 31.1. You will take what you can get on that end. What has been no, no competition at this point is the three-point shooting. UConn is uh, dominating that right now, 8 of 18, 4 of 12 for the Hurricanes. And at the line, pretty close along the board, Miami 5 for 5, UConn 5 of 7. We're not prolonging this game from the uh, free throw line. We're either launching the three or we're getting it inside. That's been the offense in this game so far. So there's that going for, for them. <clears throat> UConn trying to put this away. So we will see if they can do so right now. Again, still tons of time. With 14, 18 left to go in this second half as Jim Laranega looks on. And now UConn gets this inbound, and they'll get set to go right to left here in this second half. Again, they are in the white jerseys with the black pants and the mix of the white and red striping. And then for the Miami Hurricanes, they're in the black shirt with the orange and green striping going right to left as Jackson will get this across. And now Watson will pull this back out to the Final Four logo. Down to five seconds to go on the shot clock. UConn got to get something going. Might have to force a long three with Watson. Tries to put his head down and draw the foul. That was a poor possession for UConn. But it's turned over by Miami. This is going to allow UConn to be able to kill some more time and get the ball back. So the last couple possessions for the Huskies has not been very good. They got a second chance opportunity now. As the shot clock down to 18 and a foul is going to be called before the opportunity on the floor against the Hurricanes. This will stay with the Huskies. Well, then, so that, that was just a straight-up giveaway by Miami right towards the hands of that UConn player after that shot clock expired. And then you look over it there, it's just, I, I don't know what was the plan there on passing that up if you're Miami. You're needing points. This was just the opposite of doing that. I absolutely agree with you on that, and it did not look comfortable as Sonogo will get this across. This almost gets taken away, trying to force a press. And now this will go back. We'll drive toward the right wing side. Instead of taking a three, they're going to challenge Omir at the rim. And this is picked up here by the Huskies. Shot clock doesn't reset. Sonogo with the hook and hit. Able to stay with it. They find their big man, their security blanket. And he makes it a 51-37 game. Sonogo has been on fire thus far for the Huskies, and he's, he's showing why for that, that big reason. So that feed for the inside from Andre Jackson Jr. Yep, there's the big one. So a three-pointer on the other end for Miami by Harlan Beverly. He answers that right wing in rhythm, and now Miami is within 11. As this is picked up now on the right wing side, Jackson against Isaiah Wong gets the screen. Now needs a pass outlet. UConn trying to answer, and they foul the jump shooter at the three-point line, the cardinal sin that you don't want. Yep, the big cardinal sin if you're Miami. You don't <laughs> foul the player at, a free point, at the three-point line. That's going to grant them free, a trip for three shots at the charity stripe. Yep, getting knocking him over right behind. That was Jordan Hawkins drawing the foul from the contact by by Harlan Beverly. That's something that you cannot do if you're Miami. As we get a strange delay, but not in the midst of the free throws, one of the shoe boys, I can't even say ball boys, bringing a new pair of sneaks 
for one of the players on the team, I believe it was from Miami, that requested some new shoes. As he got an opportunity for Hawkins to try to go three for three at the line, he's already made a pair. He's got ten points, two of six shooting, but he could try to go five for five for the line and give the Huskies a 14-point lead with 12.30 to go in the game. So he makes two out of three, so still a pretty good trip to the line. And now Isaiah Wong will get this across. As this is picked up now at the Final Four logo, Hurricanes with the basketball. They'll move it around with Isaiah Wong and through a couple of screens as he tries to get around the big man. And hooks and hits it over the Redwood. That was Klingham, the 7'2 man. He couldn't contest it. My goodness. Wow. You're trying to test the 7'2 man? You, you come at the tall guy, you best not miss. <laughs> of course, that's the saying right there. Isaiah Wong driving right to the inside. And, and sometimes the short guy's Get the best of the tall guys. Yes, they do. Caravan, I thought he would take the shot from the outside. He tries to go in. Isaiah Wong, top of the key for three. And he delivers. And Miami is only down to eight now with 11.30 to go in the second. Oh, then. Miami is making a run for it. And they're trying to go right back here. So things are getting very, very interesting between these two teams. Maybe it's not the blowout that we thought it would be, but now, something of note. We will have to see. Caravan, it was kind of a misplay. Blown coverage, he was open. And put back in off the putback as Klingen gets the job done. He was right in the spot on the glass. And UConn up by 10. And Alec, as we talked about, UConn trying to find some of their offense again. In the second half, they seem to have slowed it down a little bit too much, but they were able to get a rebound from their big man. Isaiah Wong trying to draw the foul. Missed it off the front of the rim. That was a force. And this is picked up now by Kolontara. This will get this across the timeline, right to left. Got about 20 seconds to work with on the shot clock. As now it's Klingon on the top of the key. Try to set it up here for Jackson off the screen. Open on the left wing side, but they'll give it to Jackson. Top of the key for three. Off the glass and in. And the Huskies answer with a big time three from Hawkins. There you go, Hawkins. The second leading scorer of UConn. Getting a response there. There's a time for him to come up big. It's this one. It, right at the ha halfway point of the second half. Yep. Collected by Klingham after the Hurricanes three-point miss and settled back down by Kolontara. 9.50 now. Left to go in the second. UConn, every time it seems like Miami's going to make a run, UConn forces a push and a foul called against Miami. And they can't believe it. They were trying to press Kontara near that uh, half-court line. And we get a commercial break. It's 58-45. The Huskies up by 13. No, UConn doing everything possible. And whoa, there was a call right there that I think Benzwi Joseph didn't like right the halfway point of the second half. UConn leading 58-45, trying to make it back to the national championship for the first time since 2014. I know it's not the correct players, but when I do think about uh, UConn, I know Emeka Okafor comes to mind. I don't know how 
of a successful NBA career he had, but he was in the NBA at least for a decade. Yep, there's that. They are they are uh, big man heavy on the UConn side, but uh, I like their three point shooting. Uh, Sonogo's been excellent, as we said. Here's the thing for me. I look at No Chad Omir. I see one of five, and I see four points and two fouls. Whether that's Sonogo or not, that's just not enough, Alec, for Miami to be able to get the job done in this game. And they need more from their guys. And, and the thing about Omir, yeah, one for five, not a single three-point attempt. But someone that's, and I'm looking at right now, Wolga Poplar, 0 for 7 on field goals, 0 for 4 on three-point attempts. Yeah. Just two rebounds and two turnovers for Poplar. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head. Between 1 for 5 for Omir, 0 for 7 for Poplar. Whether it's the UConn defense, and there's been some good stuff, especially on the inside when you mixed in between Sunogo and you mixed in between Klingon. They've done a great job protecting the rim, but... That's not going to win you a game, even with all the steals and everything else that you're getting. Again, we talked about where is Miami going to be able to get their offense. And I'll just pull this up on the team stats side as we're in the middle of a commercial break because I want to see how much this has changed. It's still 15-8 on the assist board in favor of the Huskies. And in a lot of the categories that you want, 31-24 on rebounds, better shooting percentage, uh, they've had everything they needed. They've had up to a, I don't think this is correct, it says 20 point lead. It wasn't quite 20 on the ESPN side, but about 14 there for UConn. And Miami, they've never had the lead. It's been wire to wire for the Huskies the whole way so far. And not to mention that Miami, <clears throat> is Miami a bit of a run recently? They're still at a 34% field goal percentage, and they're, and they're converting 37 and a half of their three points and three pointers though to that field goal percentage those that first half something that they want to leave behind they want to focus on the now and not the past yeah because as Alex said if 34 doesn't sound like a lot and we're making it sound like a lot that's because it is because it was at 20 percent in the first half so Kantara will get this across as we're back underneath the action now picked up here by Jackson you try to get around Isaiah Wong and no, Chad O'Meara didn't have to do much but put his hands up, but this will stay with the Huskies. They have a 58-45 lead. UConn trying to go back to the national championship game. They're waiting for the San Diego State Aztecs that absolutely shocked the Florida Atlantic Owls with a buzzer beater from Butler, and Alec called that one. And this is turned over casually, sideline out of bounds. It was UConn ball, but this goes right to the Hurricanes, and now they have it. Toward the right wing side, now at the top of the key. No shadow mirror. Needs to be able to give this up as he gives it now to Isaiah Wong. Gets the screen from Omir. Wong going to try again, and his pass out like goes to nobody. So a couple of careless turnovers on both ends. Doesn't cost UConn. They'll have the ball again with 9.15 in the second half. The UConn, they're trying to hold on to this and, and go up against San Diego State in the national championship. Miami trying to do everything they can, and that was a bouncing ball, a bouncing ball that Miami was possessing, and as it goes right out of bounds, nothing coming out of that possession, not ideal. Absolutely not, as Jackson 
Look at this one here for Elaine, and they'll miss this off the front of the rim, trying to be tapped up out of the air, palmed out of the air, and is this going to be a foul against Miami off of an over the back against Klingon? I think that might be the call. This was off the front of the rim, Klingon battling for the basketball, he gets the inside position. Nobody in Miami going to be able to contest him again. It's a bunch of six foot seven guards against a seven foot two big man. You're going to have a tough time trying to get him off the glass once he gets post position. Oh, and, and Klingon, and as you mentioned, as it was batting up in the air, trying to corral that ball. And, and both teams going for possession. Klingon coming up with it. Well, we'll see if it's a jump ball. And which possession will go over to Miami. The arrow is on them. But this is something I want to see right here. So UConn is just one foul. Miami has five thus far. So in all like so this is not a jump ball, it's a foul. So when we come back into all of that, I think we're gonna get a commercial break. Yes, we will. UConn gets three offensive rebounds. They put the basket in, and now they have a fifteen point lead. As we take yet another commercial break, Jim Laranega, he might want to be thinking about NBA Jam trying to get an 8 or 9 point shot because they're down by 15, and this isn't looking good right now. It's getting ugly for Miami right now, so 60-45 <clears throat> is the lead after that a big mid-range shot from UConn that last go-around. So, there you go. UConn looking for their 5th national championship in beating Miami they will face San, they would face San Diego State if they hold on I believe that Monday night game is going to be I know on the eastern side for me about 9:40 so I will be up late with you on the Monday side and then again for Thursday it'll be frozen four between the Quinnipiac Bobcats and the Michigan Wolverines and on that one I will do my best to call that game straight down the middle but I'm either going to be a little bit happier or a little bit sad after that result. Uh, Prince, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, there he is, Prince. Yeah, he was on the cast here for the cast for or FAU and San Diego State, and man, I'll tell you, it, it it was heartbreaking for him given that he briefly went to FAU. Oh wow. That's a, that's a big one on that side for your Prince. But, I mean, again, for Florida Atlantic, you you, you got to be proud for everything else that they've done. I mean, again, if I'm thinking about it on my school, for Oakland University at Rochester Hills, Michigan, that was a mid-major. And uh, I was happy when they made the tournament a couple of years before they lost to Tristan Thompson of Texas and Dewan Blair of Pittsburgh. I know that was several years ago. But happy just to make the tournament, let alone not even get into the Final Four. I mean, just to give it all that, and FAU, they, their only other March Madness appearance was 2002. They lost their only game when they faced Alabama. That was 21 years ago. Earlier this tournament, they knocked off Memphis for the first March Madness win, then went on a deep run, but they knocked off Barry Dickinson, and then Tennessee, and, and lastly, up against a highly skilled Kansas State team that was coming up of beating Michigan State in overtime. That and then that upset happened. Yeah, it's been really good on this side as far as the tournament, but it's about to come to a close. 
And we feel like UConn's going to be the one playing against the Aztecs right now. It's been pretty much all Huskies. They've not trailed this entire game. They're up 60-45 with 8.26 left to go in the second half. John here within the play-by-play -play being joined by Alec Nava. We appreciate Prince and Chuck on the Twitter Spaces side. It's been pretty active on the YouTube side as well as we're going to try to figure out who's going to play who on Monday night. The Aztecs are waiting for their opponent. It's been a 7 nothing run in the last 2.45 here. As it's going to be Hurricanes basketball, sideline out of bounds. Sonogo is going to get some time, but I imagine he's going to check back in pretty soon as we got about 8.20 left. It's Isaiah Wong at the top of the key, off the pass, and they'll fake it toward the right wing side and give right back. As now it's down to 10 seconds to go on the shot clock. Screen from No Chad Elmir as this almost gets knocked away. Miller trying to get in the post. He's going to fade away from 16. Miss it off the front of the rim. Omir does get the rebound and he is able to finish this one this time over Klingon. So Omir getting the basket that Miami really needs here. They need about more of these. Six or seven of them that they need to get through to connect with UConn. Well, at least six or seven of them, given that the lead that UConn has. So Klingon now for Watson. He's trying to Euro step, palm the ball, protect it. It's loose on the floor right now. Caravan is taking a look. They're going to want a jump ball, and that's what the referee is going to signify right now. Miami wants to get it out right, but it'll be a jump ball. I think it'll be 7.37 left to go here in the second half. The possession arrow is with Miami, so this should be with them. Again, sometimes I confuse that college basketball rule, so my apologies. But this will be an opportunity here for Miami. With 7.37, they are down 13, and they have the possession. They're going to go left to right across the timeline, and they're going to need to get things going. They're going to have to continue to get some baskets and secure some defensive stops. That's kind of been the problem here. As a dribble in between the legs, and a set up for Omir, and he blows the layup. And this is going to allow a foul on the other end, and this one's picked up on Omir. I can't believe he missed that one, Alec. Man. You have a layup like that after having, what, nine or ten missed layups, yeah. or maybe even 11 in that first half, and you miss another one here in the second half. That's just a recurring theme when it comes to Miami throughout this game. And then UConn getting the ball right back. I believe this might be a jump ball, or was it a foul? It was a foul, and it was a full-court press for Miami, and an absolute slam on the other end for UConn. Make it 62-47. My goodness. It goes to show how much damage that Dan Hurley's team can do. A 2-1-0 fast break. Andre Jackson. Kaboom! Absolutely. And Omir on the other end. He does get the layup. This time he finished. And it brought it across in our CBS ticker. It was 12 missed layups for the Hurricanes. They've had a lot of chances and offensive rebounds, and that's probably why they're down in this game. You think about all the chances that they've had, they've had about 10 more shots than Miami, or UConn, excuse me, but that's the way it goes sometimes. You can't make them. Watson for three, can't stick it from the top of the key, and this is picked up now by the Hurricanes. They'll have to quickly race this across the timeline. Again, Isaiah Wong, here's an in-rhythm three. Miami got to have it, and now they're within 10. 62-52. Well, this is the, if there's something to keep the momentum going here, maybe it could be this one, but I'm not entirely sure. But Miami, that's something for them. In a night where they're trying to recover from a bad first half, 
and, and turn it on around in the second half. Absolutely. Jackson now. This gets poked away from Sunogo. Miami looking to press. Isaiah Wong off the Euro. Gets tried to get saved. Where is it going to go? This will go back to UConn. Isaiah Wong had a good idea there to press, but it was good defense there by Calcutta to brush that aside and get a stop. And he had it last touched off of Miami. Maybe they'll want to check this, but let me look at this again one more time on the replay. This gets knocked out of the hands, and maybe this was last touched by Calcutta. But I think as it's signaled, it's going to be UConn basketball, 5:35. In the second, yes, it is. It's going to be Jackson to set to inbound. Yeah, Calcaterra trying to get this in back inside. He was trying to look for his teammate Jackson after that last-minute strip. Well, that, that was good defense, but then it's all overshadowed by that miscue, unfortunately, and, and, and a bust eventually turns to a minus. So I'm looking at this again, and I'm not saying it's the wrong call, but Calcantara tries to throw it, and it did on the second angle. It went off the elbow of one of the Hurricanes players. On the first one we got, it seemed like it bounced right off of UConn. Uh, Calcantara's got a string on the side of his face in the towel. i got to cut part of that one off. And this is picked up now off of the sideline out of bounds, and they'll have to get across the half-court line. It was good full-court defense by Miami, but UConn eventually breaks it. Pick this up at the top of the key now and pick it back up off the spin. As Watson will get this across. He'll bounce pass this inside for Sunogo. And a push the other way. Is this going to be an offensive foul? I'm going to have to turn my TV up a little bit, but I feel like they might call this against Miami according to Jim Larinaga's reaction. So I'm not at that point yet. I'm a little behind there. So they're dribbling, they're dribbling, they're dribbling. UConn circling on around. Yeah, there's the contact. Oh, ouch. I think that might slam his head. Those you are on the court. Ouch. That I, one's got to hurt. I think that that one might have been a missed call, and that's going to turn into a two pointer there for UConn as they'll quickly hook and hit off the mismatch size wise. So that is a big swing for UConn. 10 of 22 field goal shooting, 11 of 19 for Miami in this half. They certainly made that a lot better. But as Alex said, it was a poor first half, about 20% shooting as trying to draw the foul is Miami. And it's going to be two shots upcoming. They needed that because UConn has been very, very disciplined throughout the second half. Just one foul up until this point. That's just their second foul of the second half. So, got to have them right now. That's the only thing you can say. Jordan Miller at the line, 9 points, 4 of 9 shooting, 9 rebounds. So, volume shooter, but he's got to knock down these free throws, and he makes the first as Miami trying to get back within 10. If you're within 10, Alec, and it's about 4.48 left to go in the game, that's still tons of time, but you got to be able to continue to lock down on defense and score quickly, don't you? Very much so. And these buckets here for Jordan Miller, they should be huge. So he does make both. Jackson will get this to Sunogo at the top of the key. UConn up by 10. Again, they just want to make sure they don't make any silly mistakes. Here's a pocket pass. Sunogo, he can't hold it. But this will go out of bounds against UConn. And this will be a chance for Miami to put this within single digits. And they need 
that chance to get back really quick. They were down by 10 or 12 within the final five minutes. And Miller just let that run out of bounds. So Nigel, Nigel Pack tries to go ahead and score in between the Redwoods. Here's a behind-the-back pass for a three. And pick it up is Jackson. He'll force it across. Caravan put the ball on the floor. Cody and the flow! You caught big in one opportunity. Well, so that was a missed opportunity for Miami on one end as they were waiting out for two, what I believe it was too long. And, and, and then on the other side, the and one for UConn, led by, yeah, that was Caravan driving right to the net. 66-54. When we talked about some of the good jobs earlier in the game about Miami securing some of these rebounds, they did not do that in the last few possessions. Now Caravan... With eight points and six rebounds, he wants to try to finish up the and one opportunity as this will be some substitutions on the floor. And let me make sure that I get these ones correct. It'll be Elena. We'll go ahead and check in. Caravan can't complete the and one, but UConn still up 66-54. Now Nigel Pack as a foul is called on the floor. This one's picked up by Sinogo. Still not in the bonus yet is Miami. Will we go to a commercial break? 3.57 left, UConn, they're up 66-54. And a chance for UConn to win their fifth March Madness game of this year by double digits. Yeah, that would be absolutely crazy. And everything else that we talked about, it's worth repeating again. For UConn, their road to get here wins over Iona, St. Mary's, Arkansas, and Gonzaga. They've all been beatdowns of 15 or more, especially that last game against Gonzaga. I mean, that was, I got four eyes, and that was definitely a true eye-opener, Alec, on that side, to beat down a program like Mark Fuse. Very much so. And you look at Gonzaga, you, you, people were saying, if this could be the year that Gonzaga makes it through, well... No, by way of a 28-point beatdown in the Elite Eight. I mean, who saw that coming? No, People were thinking that this would be tight. I, I agree with you. And in the sense of, again, I've only covered a few college basketball games this year. This is a chance, admittedly, for me to get a first look in between Miami and UConn. I don't know if UConn expected to be this good this year. But when you think about Sunogo and you think about some of these three-point shooters at about 45 to 48%, when we talked about Kyle Kantara, when we talked about some of these other pieces, uh, when you have that and you're able to hum, and as you said, in between the mix of the big man and the outside shooting, you can't really turn the water off the faucet as far as their offense. You can see why they're really hard to beat. I think the Aztecs, they're going to have their hands full on Monday. Yeah, they will, considering how how much how much ta talent that UConn has had throughout their roster, and you know that along with the coaching masterclass of Dan Hurley. Yeah, I, I certainly feel like he's got uh, everybody else ready to play. It seems like he's calling the correct defenses. Everybody's been on the same page. Again, there's been some turnovers. Miami's had to force them. They've had to press a lot. To be fair, they've been down the entire game. So I could maybe understand four or five of those turnovers. 
being a different result if the game wasn't so far away from Miami. But I feel like this has been a well-played game by UConn, and they've done pretty much whatever they've wanted to against the Hurricanes today. And that has also been the case throughout their previous matches. So who knows that that's going to be a similar case up against San Diego State. Because San Diego State noted for their defense, and that's what they have emphasized throughout. So the offense may be leaving something to be desired, maybe a little, but after what we saw against FAU, that may be an eye-opener along with that game against Alabama. Well, we will see, Alec, as you said, and you got me very uh, curious. I'm thinking about it on Monday. If they can bring some defensive pain, the Aztecs, I want to see what they can do to disrupt UConn. Because right now they just appear to be unbothered with 3.57 left to go here in this second half. They've led wire to wire. Miami's tried to get close. They've gotten as close, I believe, as three. And then UConn's just gone on monster runs. Every single time Miami gets within single digits, it goes back up to double. So now it's a sideline out of bounds here for the Hurricanes. They're running out of time. They're under four minutes. Almost turned this over as this is picked up from 16 feet. That was a wide open look. It ended up almost being a turnover and then picked up by Elena. And now this will be right to left slowly here for UConn. And that's what Alec was saying. You get down to this four or five minute marker with UConn with the lead. You expect them to be smart with this basketball. Lob opportunity for Jackson. And he makes no mistake. There's the UConn that we have seen throughout March Madness. And of course, even though it's not March anymore, we could call oh, these first few days of April an extension of March. That's what I saw. UConn's hashtag was made for March. And they're feeling pretty good right now. I think they're going to be made for the national championship game on Monday night. That was a sweet play. Yeah, very sweet play. From Tristan Newton to Andre Jackson Jr. And, and as one to two, Anna was noted at the broadcast, Action Jackson. Usually the nickname given to Deshaun Jackson, but Andre Jackson, he's getting that moniker now. I'm also thinking about that because when I think about other basketball players, I used to say that for Steven Jackson on the San Antonio Spurs and the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> oh. Stephen Jackson, of course, getting, also getting that moniker for how good he has been throughout his time in the NBA, and that's something to be noted as well. So Isaiah Wong, Miller, Pack, Omir, and Poplar, and you talked about it with Poplar and Omir especially, their scoring averages well below their season average as UConn well on their way right now with 335 left. This will be an opportunity for the Hurricanes as they'll get this across the timeline. They've got to go quickly and they've got to get stops as they're down 14. Putting the head down off the pass was Miller. They're gonna to have to save this in the backcourt. It's turned over and Jackson alertly will go ahead and slow this down. That's a good look on the other end for UConn. Don't force anything right now. Continue to bleed everything else away for Dan Hurley. That's what they want is the fans are really enjoying this right now. It's down to three minutes. Lingo will get this across. Picked up now. Five seconds. Newton will pass it back. Going to have to get something done. Here's Sunogo. He's going to have to fire off the front of the rim. And this is almost taken away. 
Here's a pass from Wong off the pocket. Here's the fast break blocked by Sonogo. And they can't finish at the rim again is Miami. My goodness, that's the 15th layup they've missed. Wow. 15 layups missed here for Miami. That's just unbelievable when you look at this. Just very uncharacteristic. They're known for running the ISO. And, and no, no, this just very uncharacteristic. So Newton sets up a three for his teammate, picked up by Sonogo. And he is a man possessed right now, 70-54. UConn up by 16. Alec and I have said this many times throughout the broadcast, but he can't be stopped right now. Of course not. Now up to 21 on the night for Sonogo and putting away that footback. So Wong, with the step back on the three, I believe he was fouled on the shot. This should still be a formality, but again, that's not what you want from Jackson, as we talked about. So Wong, go to the line for three free throws. The good thing for Miami, even though they're running out of time, Alec, admittedly, is it stops the clock. you got to make all of these. And he gets a friendly bounce three times before the first one falls into the rim. Just imagine if it's four times in a la Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> this, this is also knocked in by Isaiah Wong. Yeah, I think about that in between the Sixers and the Raptors, and that's a shot that I will never forget. That's one of the rare times i ever seen Kawhi Leonard with a smile on his face. I mean, and he did make something similar when it comes to four rim bounces and in between the Clippers and Kings. You know, that double overtime game yes. where the Kings won 176-175, if I can remember. Full court press again, and Miami's going to pay for it as UConn dumps it down from 100 feet. They get an easy two. Here's a three for Miami, and Sonogo cleans up the mess, and Miami now might have to start calling off the dogs. I know you want to foul and try to get some stoppages here, but UConn, they're going to go to the national championship game. There's just a minute 15 left to go in this second half. They've looked fantastic, Alec. I know we've called that many times, but give them their roses. They were unstoppable in this game. Yeah, very unstoppable, as has been the case throughout March Madness. And, and that may, and that, if they continue to keep this up, they, they, they might give San Diego State a run for their money. Sonogo might have got poked in the eye, but he looks no worse for wear off the foul. Let's see if Omir got a piece of him. So the hand comes down. It looks like the right index finger probably gave him a jab in the right eye. That did not feel good because the hand was coming Ouch. down with force. That does not look good. No, that didn't feel good at all. And on that slow motion, it kind of looked like he pulled out part of the lip. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, no, no. Whenever I see something like this, it looks... Ah, it was graphic. Yeah, it looked pretty graphic, but he looks no worse for wear. He's a big man, Sonogo, and he's going to chance to try to get this one. He's going to kick this one back to the referee soccer style and do it again because he missed the first free throw, but shouldn't matter at this point. UConn in complete control as some of the Florida fans here for the Hurricanes starting to cheer because Isaiah Wong everyone else getting pulled out. They're having some talks with... Jim Laranega, because their time in the NCAA tournament has run out. Yep. And you look at this, but 
what a run for Miami has been. I'll give credit where credit is due for knocking off top seed Houston and second seed at Texas. Absolutely. As this gets knocked away, Sonogo misses another free throw. Won't matter, though. But again, as Alex said, in between everything you had the tournament, after the first Thursday and Friday of day one, how many of your guys' brackets were busted? Mine was. <laughs> I don't think anyone could have predicted any of this. I don't think so either. Who saw this coming? And, and every bracket, yes, to no surprise, has been busted. So offensive opportunity off the three and a foul called on the floor. So this will be Miami with a chance to be able to shoot some free throws. And you called it, Alec, as far as the score line is concerned. Like father, like son, Hurley's on the floor. He commits the foul. Yeah, Andrew committing the foul for his father, dance <laughs> and squad. Yep, he's out there. Trying to... Mm -hmm. There's that. 47 seconds. Love to go as Miami makes it a 72-58 game. I don't believe the score is yet to update on the CBS side. There it is. Still got one more free throw coming. Yeah, and the Hurley family is in attendance at NRG Stadium as well. It's got to be one hell of a sight as far to make it there again. If you can hang a Final Four banner, that's something to be proud of. You get to the national championship game, even though UConn is used to this, I don't think it shakes anything away from the celebration they're about to have in 30 seconds. And essentially, they're probably just going to sit on the ball here and take the T.O. It's going to be a win for UConn as they're going to go to the national championship game and they're going to take on the San Diego State Aztecs 25 seconds left to go as it's Miami's basketball. And then it's pretty much over by this point if you're Miami. So there's empty seats starting to pile up here at Energy Stadium. And here's the, all the Florida fans have left the building by this point. <clears throat> but all the UConn fans standing on their feet, probably some San Diego State fans willing to see who's going to be victorious out of this one here. What interest to see who's coming here back in Houston. So there it is. UConn goes to the national championship. They're going to take on the San Diego State Aztecs, their fifth national championship appearance in school history, all since 1999. What a game it was. This should be an impressive 25 or 24-year run for UConn because I'm proud of them here. And somewhere, Kemba Walker, he's he's gonna yes. he may be wanting to tune in to the national championship game to see his he watches alma mater go off here against San Diego State. So Kemba Walker, Kawhi Leonard, I may be wanting to know if they're watching this. But Kemba, who's a free agent right now, uh, he'll he, I don't know if he's gonna be in attendance here to watch his Huskies take on the Aztecs. But you know, if he does come to Houston. I'd be thrilled. Yeah, you got to remember his game winners, his shots. He's, he's a hero for the UConn basketball program. Your final score, 72-59. It's going to be championship Monday night when UConn takes on the San Diego State Aztecs. Thank you for following along, Prince. Thank you for following along on the YouTube side, everybody. John out here alongside you with Alec Nava. 
and the game story will be at hopelessportscry.wordpress.com shortly after all this. Again, Alec, thank you for joining me here, and if you want to on Monday night, I'd be more than happy to have you. Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to join you, too. This will be the sort of the last time these two teams have faced each other. Campbell Walker was a Husky. That was back in 2011, and, and that's him against Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that is a uh, hell of a basketball team that you can make up with the uh, former legends. I'm going to go ahead and close out this broadcast. I will close up shop for the night to get notes ready for tomorrow, and I will see you guys on Monday. Peace, everybody. See you guys.